Good morning, Harlem. All right. It's good to see everybody. I know the singles or our Edge Ministries not here, but that's all right. That's all right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's all right. We're going to have fun nonetheless, right? All right. This morning we are going to talk about preparing our minds to love the Lord. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we're just so grateful uh, to be here this beautiful morning. Uh, we're so grateful for your word, which our brother Gene uh, has really uh, taken us deeper into the word and uh, so encouraging, so inspiring to see that you've been preparing a way for us to connect with you, to be with you for over thousands of years, God. And, and I do pray that you'll help us to take, uh, take that for heart, God, to not neglect that, to not ignore uh, the, the process and the planning and the effort and the time that, that you put into uh, preparing a way for our salvation uh, God, I'm just so grateful that Jesus decided to die for us on the cross, and we do pray that we can live our lives learning how to, uh, to appreciate what he's done for us. And for those of us who have yet to, uh, to, to take uh, our relationship with him uh, deeper and make it personal, God, I do pray that you'll inspire us, you'll encourage us, and uh, that you will uh, direct us uh, to a, a wonderful relationship with Christ Jesus. Lord, please, please be with us at this time. Uh, we love and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to, uh, we just finished up our second quarter focus on all the soul. And I hope you guys were encouraged by that series. Um, I know it's really transformed just the way I, I uh, approach my time with God and, and, and even my own life. You know, just making decisions about things that I, I do and and just really wanting to take care of the most important part of me, which is my soul. Making sure that my soul is fed and, and that my soul is connected to God. So I do hope and pray, uh, if, you, if you've missed that series, you can go back on our, our church website and catch those lessons. Uh, but we're going to start the third quarter talking about loving the Lord our God with all of our minds. And we're going to we're going to take a different approach. We're going to study out the book of Philippians together, uh, the book of joy. So we're going to look at that starting next week. But I just thought that it would be, uh, it would be wise to prepare our minds to love the Lord. You can't just jump into it. You've got to really prepare yourself to love the Lord. You can see the little brain there doing some brain exercises. You know, sometimes before a big test or a big exam, teachers will tell the students to go home, get a good night's sleep, don't stay up all night cramming, but make sure that you prepare your mind for the test to come, right? I know, I know some of us are a little older here, but you ain't been out of school that long. We know we got to prepare ourselves for what's to come, for what we know will come, but you also have to prepare your mind for what's unexpected. Because if you're caught off guard, you can really get caught in some compromising positions. Is that right? So, so far this year, we started focusing on loving the Lord our God with all our being. We looked at uh, the beginning of the year, we looked at loving the Lord our God with all our heart. 
and we took a deeper look into idolatry and how it can prevent us from loving God with all our hearts. Next, we spent the second quarter focusing on the most important part of our souls. So we learned that it's not so much about what we do as it is about who we become. That's the most important thing. And today we're going to begin the third quarter focusing on loving the Lord with all our mind. Now, we got to make room in our hearts for God. And therefore, we had to replace any idols that have taken place in our hearts. You can't, your heart is not set up for both God and idols. That's not how God designed it. So you can't have God in your heart and, and expect your heart to be totally committed to God and also have idols set up in your heart. Someone will win and someone will lose. That's why before God can do anything with his people, he first set them out to search for any idols that was among them. And he told them they had to tear it down because they needed to replace those idols with God. And so we got to constantly make sure that we're searching our hearts. Is there anything in my heart that is taking the place of God? Is there anyone in my heart? That's taking the place of God. Am I giving someone more attention, more devotion, more, more commitment than I'm giving to God? Chances are that person could be an idol in your life. Your career can take the place of God. You got to ask yourself these sobering questions. Just the same, if you're to make room in your minds for God, we have to replace whatever ungodly thoughts exist in our minds. Now, I know... This was a challenging, I knew this would be a challenging focus because most of my battles are right up here. Before they even get here, they all start right up here. You ever heard of that, that saying, stinking thinking? Yeah. There's a whole lot of stinking thinking that goes on up in my mind. And I pray to God, I'm like, Lord, I hope on the day of judgment, you don't hook my mind up to some spiritual DVD player and play all the thoughts that I've had over the course of my life because people would look at me and be like, and he was preaching to us? I was, that was my brother in Christ? Yes. We battle thoughts. We have thoughts. And we're commanded to love God with all our mind. Jesus could have just said, love the Lord with all your heart. And that could have been enough, but he said, no, I need you to love God with your heart, with the most important part of you, your soul, and especially your mind. Because our mind can take us places we do not need to be. But it takes effort to love God with our hearts. So I have one simple point for us this morning. One simple point, because I think our mind can only hold one more thing. So I'm just going to give us one simple point. Prepare your mind. Prepare your mind. Amen? In Proverbs 23, in verse 7, the Amplified Version says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You heard of the saying, you are what you eat? Here the Bible is saying we are what we think. You know, happy people have happy thoughts. Sad people have sad thoughts. You ever notice that? Sometimes 
I can have a gr- I can I can wake up. My kids are happy. You know, they're giving me hi, daddy. You know, it's just you love that. You know, my wife is happy. Everybody's happy. And then one thing can change the mood just like that. And you know what it starts off with? A thought. Maybe it was a text, an unexpected text that I wasn't prepared for. And right away, the mood changes. How does the mood change? Because my thoughts changed. And now I'm a moody person because that bad thought put me in a bad mood. I've rarely ever been in a bad mood with happy thoughts. You know, you've never seen an angry person with happy thoughts, right? So let me ask you this question. What were you feeding your mind this week? If we are what we think, what are you feeding your mind? See, we allow ourselves to think things. We allow our minds to retain things. And so if you had a, 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 a really messed up week, think about your thoughts. Go back and, and ask yourself, well, what was I thinking? And if you had a great week, then ask yourself, what was I thinking this week? Why was, why was everything so good? Why, was, why did I handle that situation the way I did? Go back and ask yourself, well, what was my thought process like? If we're all what we think, then this means that we can also become the people that God wants us to be because we can change our thoughts and help our thoughts to connect with God. Amen? You know, that takes effort. It takes effort and it takes preparation. Before I come to church, I have a prayer that I pray every Sunday. I ask, the God, I ask God to guide my fellowship. Lead me to the people that you want me to speak to. Because if it was left up to James, I would only talk to a few of y'all. The people that would make me happy. But even sometimes the people that you think will make you happy won't make you happy. That's not that I don't love y'all. It's just that I'm a sinful person. I'm a selfish person. If I'm tired, then I don't want to talk to anybody. That's just how I am. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right? That's what people say that don't want to be held accountable. When we don't want to be held accountable for what we are, we, we tell people, no, 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 no. Don't judge me. No, no, no. But somebody's got to do something. Somebody in our lives has to know how we think about things. Somebody in your life has to know that you have a tendency to think negative and worldly about things. That's another way you can prepare yourself. You see, I thank God for my wife. My, my God knew exactly who to put James Warren. When he made me, he said, all right, we need, because I'm, I'm a few years older than Zalika. He said, all right, I got I to gotta create a woman that's going to help this brother stay on, keep his mind where it needs to be. My wife is always bouncing around the house happy. And when something's not right, then I'm like, hold up, something's, not, something's off. There's a disturbance in the force. But my wife, it's rarely ever that she's not happy. I'm the one, wake, you know, wake up, she'll be like, good morning. Then I get my cup of coffee. Then I'm like, hey, how's everybody doing? But my wife, she, she's a very positive thinker. She, she sees things totally different than the way I see things. She sees the good in things. She sees the, 
the, the potential in things. I look at everything that could possibly go wrong. Now, we call that keeping it real. So I, 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 like, I like to, quote, unquote, keep it real in the family. She likes to keep it positive. She likes to keep it full. And you need a good balance because you can't always think happy thoughts. Then you'll just be kind of aloof and you just miss things. So we, we kind of help each other out there. But then you can't always keep it real. You got to keep it spiritual. Sometimes, think about how many times Jesus could have kept it real. And he chose not to. He would have broke a whole lot of hearts. Jesus kept it spiritual. And so we have to prepare our minds. In Psalm 119, verse 15, Psalm 119, verse 15, the psalmist, he writes, the psalm writer writes about meditating on the precepts of God. He writes in verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Look at a few other translations on that same verse. In the King James Version, it says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. In the English Standard Version, it says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says, I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. And lastly, in the Amplified Version, I will meditate on your precepts and have respect to your ways. The psalm writer put a lot of thought to God's ways. You know, it's one thing to to read the Bible. It's one thing to receive God's word. But we have to give careful attention to it because our minds, we can push things out very quickly. And not intentionally because we got so much going on up there. That's why I only gave you one point this morning. But we could have so much going on in our minds. Like some of us are thinking right now, what am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to do? Am I going to have time to go home and do lunch? Am I going to have time to take a nap before I got to get up and cook? And, and you know, it's nice outside. I want to do something. Or you, there's all sorts of things going on. I'm thinking about a seven-hour drive I got to do right after church. So we're all thinking something. But we have to prepare our minds. And it has to be deliberate. I love how he says, I fix my eyes on your ways. I think about, I contemplate. It's like you have to get your mind prepared for the unexpected. You know, this means he spent a lot of time thinking about God's ways, God's instructions, and God's teaching. In Psalm 1, verse 3, I love this. It's my fav- one of my favorite psalms. It talks about a man who does this. And he says, in Psalm 1 verse 3 says, the man who does this, the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I mean, don't you want everything you attempt or everything you strive for to work out? You know, even if the the results are not your desired results, you can still prosper. You can still grow. And it's all about how we perceive things. You know, you can have someone, when I think about a man who is planted by the streams of water, I'm thinking about someone who is rooted in his source of nourishment, his source of encouragement. Anyone that has a Bible is that person. You're planted by streams of water. You're planted 
by the life-giving source, which is God's word. So everyone that has a Bible is like a man planted by streams of water. But the prospering part depends on us, on how often we go to that source, how often we prepare ourselves to receive nourishment from that source. If we're going to become spiritual people, then we got to consider, we got to contemplate, we have to fix our eyes on, and we have to think about and respect God's word. The more time you spend meditating on God's word, the more prepared you will be. You know, walking out of your door, you have to be prepared. Getting on the train, you have to be prepared. Going to your job, you have to be prepared. Coming home from work, you got to prepare your mind. If you have children, you have to prepare your mind for the mommies and the daddies and can I get this, can I have that? And you got to prepare your mind if you're married. Honey, can you do this? Can you pick up this on your way? You got to prepare your mind if you're a husband and your wife needs to talk. You got to prepare your mind and your heart. You got to prepare yourself. You can't just hope to really, really want to be a spiritual person. You can't really want It doesn't happen that way. We can't rub our Bibles like we rub a genie and we become spiritual people automatically. No, we have to prepare our minds. No, there are a lot of self-help books that are out there today. You can purchase a book and they'll tell you all these things to do to help you become a more positive thinker. And a lot of those books are great, you know, but I've read a number of them, and a lot of them point right back to the Bible. And I'm sitting, I'm reading the book, and I'm thinking, man, I have this one book called The Feel Good uh, New Mood Therapy, and it's about a thick book like this, and I'm reading through it, and I'm, as I'm reading through it, I'm thinking, I just started writing scriptures next to each of his principles. And I'm like, wait a second, that's Philippians 4. Hold up, that's, that's first Corinthians. I mean, these are scriptures. And so I'm like, well, why do I need that? I can just go in my Bible. Meditate on the scriptures. Read my Bible. I don't have to go pay $20 for a book when I got 50 Bibles in my house. I can just sit down and contemplate God's word. God's word is enough. Challenge is, do we really want to do it? You got to look. When the Bible talks about loving your enemy, you can't just read that and be like, okay, amen, praise Jesus. No, 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 no. Think about your enemy. Think about somebody that you know that doesn't like you. Or think about someone who hurt you. And when you approach them about it, instead of them saying, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to, they were like, well, I mean, that's on you. you I love that person. Were you prepared for that? Or what about someone that you thought was your friend and then you find out they were talking about you behind your back? Or you entrusted someone with a secret and you find out they told like four or five other people. And now you read the Bible and it says, love those who hurt you. Turn the other cheek. You got to prepare yourself for that. You got to really think about that. What does that mean for me? 
How can I put this into practice? What do I have to do daily to get my mind and my heart behind this? Because if we don't, we will be caught off guard. But the benefits of God's word being on our hearts and on our minds are immeasurable. In Mark chapter 4, verse 20, 24, you guys still with me, right? I know we're having two services as one, but it's all good. You guys, we, we need more Jesus, right? Mark 4, verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Jesus is telling his disciples, you have to be careful of what you hear. We got to be careful of who we allow to influence our thoughts. Sometimes strong opinions can arouse strong emotions. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, maybe something as simple as uh, talking about a movie, and you really enjoyed the movie? And you're like, yeah, I, yeah, I saw that movie, I liked it. And the person that you're talking, oh, the movie was trash, it was garbage. And they were so convincing about it that you started to think, yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't as good as I, as it, maybe I really didn't like it. But because their opinions were so strong, it influenced yours. Or maybe you had an inkling of an attitude towards someone. And someone came up and were like, hey, um, what you think about so-and-so over there? Oh, well, you know, all right. Yes. Got on my nerves. And they start to proceed to tell you what this person did, and before you know it, you were all right about the person until you had a conversation with that person. And now their strong opinions are influencing you. Or maybe someone had a bad experience about the church. You know, I've learned that I can't let everybody's bad experiences be my experience. I have a lot more pleasant experiences in this church than I've had bad experiences. And I've had bad experiences. But when I weigh them, I'm thinking, okay, I mean, look, people had to forgive me, and I had to forgive people. But I'm not going to let one person or a group of people's opinion about a whole lot of people paint my... I mean, when I got married... There were two types of brothers I was taught that, I, that, that spoke to me. They were the brothers who enjoyed their marriage. They were like, bro, marriage is awesome. And they just went on about all the benefits and all that. I'm like, yeah. And I just couldn't wait. And then there were a few brothers who were very quiet, like, bro. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. It's rough. You're going to feel some things. You're going to feel some things. You're going to think some things. You're going to want to do some things. And, and you know, I, I spoke to one brother who was kind of in the middle, and he actually, he actually gave me some of the best advice. He was like, prepare for the, he said, expect the best, prepare for the worst. And I said, you know what? That's good advice. Expect the best, prepare for the worst. I mean, isn't that kind of what discipleship is? It's like you expect the best because you're walking with Jesus. 
So you expect that you're going to be blessed. You expect that God is going to transform your life and do some wonderful things. But then there's always that possibility that trials and tribulations will come. Things will come to knock you off course. And so I live by that advice. I expect the best in my marriage, but I also prepare for the worst. And I'm not saying that it always comes from my wife. Sometimes it comes from me and my own stinking thinking. We got to remember that God is holy. And Paul says that we're his spiritual temples. And we know that when God met Moses, before he called Moses to go to Egypt, Moses' first encounter with God, God told him, remove your sandals. You're, you're stepping on holy ground. And that set the precedence of their relationship. God considered Moses a friend, but there was still this separation between the two of them. We're friends, but I'm still holy. I'm still God. I'm still Yahweh. And as temples of the holy God, we can't just allow ourselves to think any crazy thought that we, we want to think. If the Holy Spirit of God is living in us, we can't just entertain any kind of thought in our minds. We've got to make sure that our temple is holy. This is why Paul says take captive those thoughts. You can't let those thoughts just run around in your mind all crazy because eventually... I got a little graph for you right here. This is your mind. Your thoughts, your words, your thoughts will become your words in a matter of time. Your thoughts will become your words. And you have to watch your words because then your words will become your actions. This is why we say certain things. You know, married people, we tell, we're like, you can't say certain things. And it's not just for good advice. It's because eventually your words will become your actions. If you say, I love you, you're acting on that action. You're backing up that action. So you say other things, eventually your actions are going to follow. Watch your actions because they become your habits. What we do creates a cycle in our lives. And eventually, those have, we start to form habits, good habits and bad habits. Our character is made up of summation of our good habits and our bad habits. And here's the thing. is we learned with all your soul, willpower, habits eat willpower for breakfast. You can't change something just because you really, really want to. If you're going to change a bad habit, you've got to replace it with a good habit. That's just how it works, right? So we've got to watch our words because they become our actions. We have to watch our actions because they become our habits. We have to watch our habits because they become our character. And then we have to watch our character because eventually it becomes where, you're, where you spend your destiny. Your destiny, your character will lead you to wherever it's going to go. And so it all starts with how we think. It all begins with how we think. So if you think spiritual, eventually your destiny will become a spiritual destiny. This is why the Bible says that it's impossible for worldly people to comprehend spiritual things. 
Because the mind that's not controlled by the spirit is controlled by the, by the sinful nature. It's impossible for them to grasp spiritual ideals and, and, and principles. And that's why the spirit of God has to live in us. And we have to continue to work spiritual thoughts into our life. We have to continue to train and replace evil thoughts with spiritual thoughts. Bad thoughts with good thoughts. Yes, I feel like yelling at them right now, but what's a good thing to replace that with? I'm going to speak the truth in love. I really want to keep it real with them right now. But instead, I'm going to use my words to build them up. We got to replace the negative with the positive. You know, I like this quote by Joyce Myers. It says that some people's problems are rooted in the thinking patterns they actually, that actually produce the problems they experience in life. You know, some of the problems we have is it's rooted in the way we think. Have you ever sat down and tried to help someone, convince someone to, 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 to change the course of a bad decision? Sometimes, you know, we, it takes a lot of convincing because once your mind is set on something, it takes a lot to convince you otherwise. And this is why we study the Bible with people because just to tell someone, hey, come check out my church and, and hear my fantastic preacher and, and come hear our phenomenal singing and, and come sign your kids up for our awesome kids, sometimes that's not enough. Because we have trained ourselves to think a certain way for all our lives. And so when we sit down with people and we open up the Bible, what we're actually doing is we're retraining that way of thinking. We're replacing the worldly way of thinking with a new spiritual way of thinking. This is why it takes time with some people. Because when you fix your mind on something, it takes a while to change it. It really does. And even as Christians, sometimes we, we need a little more convincing. Well, that's your experience. Okay, but wh what does the Bible say right here? And this is why we got to use the Bible to help with our thinking. Satan tries and often succeeds in filling our heads with a lot of negative thoughts. And then our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. If we have negative and unspiritual thoughts, then we'll have a negative and unspiritual life. But just the opposite. If we have positive spiritual thoughts, then we can have a positive and spiritual life. I mean, I have never met a happy Christian who's gone through trials, who's gone through difficult circumstances, and had bad thoughts. They always had a scripture. You know, I meditated on this scripture, and this scripture encouraged me. I held to this verse, and this verse. They were feeding their minds. And that's why they were able to stand up. You know, have you ever come to fellowship, and you know somebody's going through a difficult time? And they got a smile on their face. They're greeting you. They're hugging you. And you're how you doing? Because we just know they should be falling apart. And they're like, I'm doing well. They're like, how you really doing? No, I'm doing good because my trust and my faith is in God. Sometimes we even try to bring people out of it, like try to talk to them, like they lose their mind. It's like, no, I'm really doing good because I'm really holding on to the scriptures. There were times in my life where all I could do 
is meditate on a song. And that was enough. I didn't have to sit down and, and, and read for hours. Just one verse. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. You just got to digest that. Hear yourself. Read it out loud. Say it to yourself. Speak it to your soul. Speak it to your mind until the ch- your, your way of thinking changes. But I think sometimes we accept these negative circumstances in our lives and we don't speak to it. We don't use the Bible to rebuke it like Jesus did. You know, when, when, when Peter was talking all crazy, what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. It's his best friend. Look, sometimes some of us need to be rebuked and be like, get behind me because you're, you're not helping the situation. It's not that I think you're Satan. It's just that what you're thinking right now is crazy and it's not helping. So why don't you just go right on back here so that I can focus on Jesus? God wants us to love him with all our minds. Sometimes we can be a big help. Sometimes we're not. Jesus rebuked negative thinking. In Mark chapter 8, verse 33. I know y'all don't believe me. He's right there. It says, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, because, you know, Peter tried to do it all discreet. He pulled Jesus to the side. He's like, oh, what are you doing, man? You're discouraging the brothers talking about all this dying in Jerusalem stuff. You know, he pulled them to the side. He rebuked the Lord. And Jesus turned and he looked at his, and I, I can just, I just wish I was a bug, a fly on the wall, just to see Jesus. It says that Jesus turned around and looked at the other disciples. I can imagine Peter over here, Jesus looking at, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, of course, we because just a few verses before, he just told Peter he was, he handed Peter the keys of the kingdom because Peter made this big pronouncement. You are the son of God. He said, blessed are you, Peter. So Peter knew who Jesus was. It's just for that one minute, he unwittingly became a vehicle of Satan. That can happen to all of us. You know, I'll never forget. There was one time, and this, I, I tell you, this was so convicting. Our sister Glenda, Glenda Strong, you guys remember Glenda, right? She was a faithful, I mean, there was a negative bone in that sister's body. She had been written off by so many doctors. She was supposed to have met the Lord numerous times. But she lived up to her name, Strong. That sister was strong. And I'll never forget, I'm at the hospital with her mom, with her brother, with the doctor, and we're all talking about whether or not we should continue, you know, she should continue to stay on life support. And that was a tough decision. And I'm sitting here, I've known this sister for years, and I'm like, her, how, much, how much more can her body take? And we're sitting there, and... and and, 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 and I'm listening to the doctors, and they're just giving facts after facts. And he was, he was very, very gentle, very compassionate. He, he just wanted the mother to not suffer, and he wanted Glenda to not suffer any longer. And I sat there, and I said, Ma, you know, I think it's, I think it's wise to listen to the, to, the, to the doctor. 
I mean, you know, her, her, she's, she's come off and on. I mean, they resuscitated her numerous times. And, and I'm thinking, it, it's, you know, how much more should she, should she suffer? And her mom was like, no. I'm not, I'm not accepting that. I'm not claiming that. My daughter's going to live. And I sat there, and I felt like the most faithless person in the room. Because I'm thinking, you know what, the doctors are right. And sure enough, after the sisters, after the mother, we left the room, Linda was all right. And I'm sitting there thinking, how many times are you going to prove us wrong? But sometimes you, you, you're trying to, you, you, you don't want to, you know, you, you're trying to be consulting, you're trying to be understanding, and your own faithlessness can sometimes be a stumbling block for your brother, and, and you might be Satan, unwittingly. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you're not where you need to be. Now, her mom, her faith, I, I, I tell you, I was blown away, and that day, I'm like, you know what? I'm never writing this sister off again until they are, uh, and look, here's the thing. I've been there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching. I'm like, this is it. And then I get a call from Miss Charlene. Glenda's up. She's asking for you and Zalika. I'm like, what? What? And after that, I said, you know what? I, I'm not right. This is she's making me angry now because I'm like, you got me going all emotional and stuff. And I'm I'm here like getting all emotional thing. And this is going. And 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 then finally, I think Glenn said, all right, I'm stop playing with y'all. Let me go be with Jesus. And she finally gave up her spirit. But, you know, sometimes if we don't understand the situation, if, if we, we, you know, Satan can get in there and he, he can use us to trip other people up. And it's not that we're, we're bad people. It's just that sometimes our faith is just not where it needs to be. But what we can control are those unspiritual thoughts that we know we have. That we know we have. Those doubtful thoughts. The only, Jesus rebukes people for very few things in the scriptures. And doubt and faithlessness are two of the main reasons. He rebuked people. But he prepared his mind for what was ahead. Jesus loved the Lord with all his mind. He would fix his mind on doing the Lord's work, and he would not let anyone stop him. What would it take to convince you to stop reading your Bible? What would it take to convince you to stop coming to church? What would it take to convince you to stop praying, to stop reaching out to people, to stop repenting of sin. Jesus wouldn't let anyone get in his way. He was always thinking about doing God's will, and we too can train ourselves to be sensitive to the will of God. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 2, and we're wrapping this up, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, spiritual minds produce spiritual lives. Some people today are afraid to hope because they've been hurt so much in life. They develop the habit of negative thinking. They're afraid to hope for fear of disappointment and not sure that they can face the pain again. And disappointment does hurt. 
So rather than face another disappointment, some people refuse to believe in anything good. They refuse to believe that anything good could happen to them, but God rebukes that way of thinking. Because Romans 8, 28 says that God works for the good of those who love him. In James 1, it says that all good and perfect gifts come from God. God is a giving God. God doesn't give us pain. God works with us through pain. Think about what you're thinking. Take those thoughts captive. Make them obedient to Christ. We have to have the faith. As the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, in verse 13, when he asked Jesus to heal, to heal his servant, Jesus simply, the centurion simply said, go. Just say the word. All he needed was Jesus to speak the word, and Jesus said in verse 13, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Do you believe that God can help you with your way of thinking? Do you believe that God can help you with your way of thinking? If you, if you consider yourself a, a negative thinker, God can change that. You can change that. If you find yourself, you know, caught up in a wave of, 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 of depression and, 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 and ex- ang- just anxious, um, you know, thoughts and, 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 and a, 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 a worldly mentality, God can change that. God can have you thinking a totally different way. All we need to do is put into practice what he's already given us. Show God that your faith is sure. This man was a centurion. He wasn't even a worshiper. He just said, look, just say the word. Sometimes just speak the word, God. I just know you can do this. And we have to train our minds to love the Lord in that way. You know, after his uh, his memorable rebuke years later, Peter encouraged the disciples in his letter, prepare your minds for action. When you leave here today, you've got to prepare your mind. You've got to prepare your mind for action. Prepare your mind when God says to move, that you'll be ready to move. Prepare your minds so that when the Lord says that you need to love, that you'll be ready to love. That you'll be able to do and, and, and follow when not everyone is approving of your decision. Yeah, I remember studying the Bible. My mom was not. She was, she was the first person to oppose me becoming a Christian. Because it was not the church that she, she was accustomed to. And I had to prepare my mind. I had to get prepared for what conversations I would have every night I come home. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And how am I going to say it? Because you've got to be careful about how you speak the truth. You know, some people might even think you're weird or you lost your mind for our young people. You go to church? You read the Bible? You might get teased. You might get made fun of. You've got to prepare your mind for that. Some of you have come back from a very spiritual week of camp. You made some, dis- some decisions. You got some deep convictions. The world is not going to let you, they're not going to just let you think any kind of way. That's not the world we live in. The world will not let us think spiritual thoughts. The world will always throw something at us to get us right back into thinking the way that's approved by the world. Even today, there's certain things you just can't think without being labeled something, without being labeled a hater. So I don't agree with that. So now that's not the way the world works. But we got to prepare our minds for that. Jesus dealt with the same type of disapproval. In Mark chapter 3, in verse 20, Jesus entered the house and again gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. 
Jesus' own family called him crazy. They were like, what is this guy doing? What is he doing? And you know, I imagine that Jesus had to prepare his mind to deal with the world every single day. Not just the Pharisees. He had to deal with his own family. And sometimes our family can be the most difficult people to deal with. Because you're with them all the time. But you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to prepare your mind for that. Meditating on scriptures, contemplating, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. The cross was Jesus' greatest challenge. And he, he overcame because he prepared for it. He prepared for it. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for what may come up in your marriage? Are you prepared for what may come up with your children? Are you prepared for what may come up on your job? Are you prepared for what may come up in your relationships today? Are you prepared for what may come up in the church? Are you prepared? we got to prepare our minds for action. We can't just wishfully hope that God carries us through. we got to prepare our minds to love God through all of this, with all of our minds. I want to encourage to imitate the Apostle Paul who in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 said, What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Paul worshiped God with his mind. He worshiped, he sung in his mind. He prayed in his mind. He prepared his mind. That's where the battles are often fought, is right up here. And, whether, and the condition of our hearts are determined by what happens up here. If we win as many battles as we can up here, then our hearts will be at a good place. If we get our hearts behind God, if we get our hearts fixed on God, then our heart will be connected to God. But we cannot assume that we'll be close to God if our minds are not close to God, if our minds are not connected to God. Paul prepared his mind with prayer, and with singing. As we prepare to take the communion this morning, I want to encourage you to take a moment to prepare your mind. Ask yourself, Father, what thoughts, what reoccurring thoughts do I need to get rid of in my mind? What's keeping me from worshiping you and loving you with all my mind? Because if we're to connect and love God with all our mind, we have to be prepared for it. We have to make sure we replace the bad things with the good things. And if you're not someone who's, who's, who's in the habit of reading your Bible, then I want to encourage you, start today. Start with something as simple as the book of Psalms. Read through the book of Psalms. They're great, work, great uh, pages of worship that can really get you uh, focused and direct your, your mind and your way of thinking. But start somewhere. Do something don't just go back to the norm. Amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father God, we're just so grateful, our Lord, that you've given us the capacity to understand your will, to understand your word, but God, more importantly, to become spiritual people by the way we think. God, we're your temples, and we ask that you will help us to be holy as you are holy. We ask that you will give us the ability to take captive the thoughts that we have that are unpleasing to you and make them obedient to Christ. 
Father, we ask that as Paul did, that you'll help us to sing with our minds and to pray with our minds and to worship you with our minds and to love you with all of our minds. And God, I do pray for those of us uh, who have mental challenges, God, that you will give us the capacity that despite whatever mental challenges we face, God, that we can still love you with all of our minds. And God, I pray that as we reflect on the cross, as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, as we take the bread which represents his body and the juice that represents the blood that was spilled on our behalf, I pray, God, that you will help us to keep him at the forefront of our minds and to never forget the sacrifice made for us. We love you and thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.